0: Welcome to another episode of the More Than a Game podcast. I'm your host, Dan Walls, and today on the podcast, I'm joined by MBL legend or former MBL legend, I should say, and former Australian boomer, Ben Magin. Ben played five seasons with the Sydney Kings back in 2010, where he was named also MBL Rookie of the Year. He was named the most improved player in 2013 and also earned all NBL honours in that year as well. He led the league in scoring in the 2012-2013 season and has also been named in the Sydney Kings 25th anniversary team. He left the NBL not long after his time with the Kings to play a number of successful stints across Europe before returning to play in the 2019-2020 season with the newly formed South East Melbourne Phoenix. He's recently retired. As I said, he's played for the Australian national team. He's had an incredible career and we look forward to hearing it all today on the More Than A Game podcast. Ben Madgen, welcome to the More Than A Game podcast. Thanks a lot, Dan. Lovely to be here. It's great to see you, mate, and thanks for joining us today. It's a remarkable career you've had and we'll dive into it today and I'm interested and keen to hear all about it. But I'll start as I... Uh, Start all the podcasts um, with uh, your journey, I guess, and how that began, how that started. You come from a basketball family uh, because your sister Tess also plays at the high level, the Opals and also in the WNBL. So, uh, yeah, where did it all begin for you? Where did that love and that joy of basketball come from?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting kind of how we fell into basketball because mum and dad never played. Um, My mum's six foot, so um, they... I said a to try it at the uh, North Adelaide Rockets back in the day. Uh, she said she was too uncoordinated, didn't last long. Um, but she was an amazing race walker, believe it or not. I think it was a long limbs. And uh, Dad was a really good um, footy player, AFL footy player, um, but blew out both his knees really young, early 20s. Um, and so his career got cut short. Um, but I heard many good stories about that. I think that's where I got my um, aggression on the court from, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just played all different sports growing up. You know, tennis, cricket, basketball, footy, athletics, did some swimming. So um, just kind of really enjoyed basketball, um, mm. enjoyed the kind of notion that you could travel the world um, if you were good enough. Um, but I really played um, Aussie Rules footy. All my mates played Aussie Rules footy. Um, and then at 17, really had to make a decision. Um, both both of the, the training regimes were really ramping up and I couldn't do both. Um, so that's kind of where I chose basketball. And um, it was probably my nana um, who gave me the, the final word was um footy's too dangerous, <laughs> too many injuries. Um, you know, my uncles played in the AFL. Mm. Um, you know, one lost his kidney, a couple of shoulders, Gosh. knees, but I ended up getting my fair share of injuries in basketball anyway, so I don't know if that mattered. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I, how I fell into basketball and um, obviously Tess and, and then Jack went to college for basketball as well, so mm. um, they really enjoyed it too. We had some great battles in the backyard. Um, it was me versus both of them because they were younger. I was the oldest. Um, but, yeah, just really loved loved the game. And I'm so happy that I did end up choosing basketball, you know, being able to travel the world and mm. um, meet some amazing people. And then, you know, obviously after basketball now still being able to use use the game as a tool to be able to give back to the community through Charity Bounce. So it's mm. been a, quite
0: a journey. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, I'll come to charity bounce in a moment because I've had Cal Bruton on, I've had Tracy Williams, who you work yeah. with, and heard a bit about the organisation. So we'll touch on that, but um, we'll go back to uh, most recently, obviously the South East Melbourne Phoenix. Um, that's your most recent team, and only just recently retired. Um, what led to that decision? I feel like you may have had a couple more years in you, but um, obviously there was a reason behind that. So, uh, what what was yeah. the reasons that led behind your retirement? Yeah,
1: totally. So, first of all, when we're in Germany, we've decided, um, we had decided, you know, we had gone over with no, no kids, my wife and I, and, and now we had two. Um, we had a really horrifying experience with our youngest, Mac. He was in hospital for about a month with RSV, um, and he couldn't breathe, and, and my wife spent a, a month in hospital with him. I, I was playing, and I had Xavier at home, our, um, our eldest. Hmm. Um so that was a really tough time and we just, you know, four years in Europe. Uh it's very isolating. Um, you know, great for basketball, but really tough on family. So we said, yeah, let's go back. Um the Sydney Kings have been talking to me, Jeff and and Gazy um hmm. each off season, just gauging if I'd if I'd like to come home, a hmm. few um, contract offers. Um, And then when I finally said, you know, I'm going to come home, they said, oh, we're not sure about, I think they knew they weren't going to be there the next year. All right. Um, You know, AEG was being bought out. So um, they couldn't offer a deal at the time. Mm. Um, And I had also been talking to Tommy Greer for many years since I went to Europe. And Mm. um, he reached out and said he'd love, you know, to be part of the team. They got creaky and some other guys on the radar. so. Um, I was able to sign, I think, in January or February. Um, so it was really convenient. You know, I already had a house in in Melbourne lined up. Everything was set for a smooth transition. So we were around our, you know, support network. Um, you know, my sister and brother were in Melbourne. Um, so that's how it happened to to get to Southeast Melbourne. Had a few chats to Simon and really liked what they were doing and, and you know, the concept behind what the team was going to look like. Um, obviously, it's always hard going to starting a brand new franchise. You know, I did it with the Kings almost yeah. 2010 after the hiatus, and I think we won our first game and lost the next 14. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, th- I see you got the Tommy. Is that Tommy Gallup? Was that No, no
0: that's uh, Damien Ryan behind me. Oh, so that's, Damien
1: Ryan. That's yeah. the actual. That's
0: his jersey because I was working yeah. with the Kings back then. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, Damien was a great guy. We had an yeah. awesome chat. Still chatting Now he's in Melbourne. Yeah. Um and yeah, he went to um Italy halfway through that season.
0: Mm, that's right. Um,
1: but yeah, so getting back to it and then um I had a really enjoyable time in Melbourne. Um, mm. you know, where I was offered um a probably lesser role, um, lesser money, but um was, you know, highly contemplating um, you know, returning. Um But then you know we wanted to really get around my wife's um support network as well in sydney so um thought we could play back with the kings um but you know with my son he was diagnosed with autism and was getting really really quite difficult um you know every time i wanted i was going on the road and we would be really hard hard on him um and my wife you know would be left to pick up the pieces so it almost was um a no-brainer when I thought, you know, I've got to put the family first now. I've been doing this for over a decade. Um, it's not the best thing for the family anymore. Um, and they're my number one priority. So, um, yeah, I could have played, you know, a few more years, I think. I still, you know, got asked by the Kings if I was interested to play again this year. And mm-hmm. last year, I think I had about five or six calls during the wow. season to come back. Um, but, you know, the timing's not right and I'm, a, I'm at peace with, you know, my career. If it was just me, I would have kept playing. But, um, you know, Xavier's doing really well, it's good. Um, my son, and he's come a long way. And I just think, you know, I would never regret the decision one second because, um, you know, at the end of the day, to play a couple more years but to, you know, really put your your son's kind of development at, at jeopardy, it was it was a no-brainer for me. So... Love and family life. You know, really enjoying the next chapter. Um, I won't say it hasn't been hard. Um, you know, I think, um, especially you know, my wife kind of seeing it from the outside uh, mm. when you're kind of in that um, you know insular kind of bubble. It's it's hard to see yourself maybe acting a little bit differently or not as mm. perky and and not as much energy as you usually have. And mm. I think it took me a while to. To kind of come to grips with that um yeah. tried to just stay busy um but now i'm you know playing more golf and trying to challenge or channel my um competitiveness i think is oh. into into getting my handicap down so <laughs> it's funny, uh, well, well, i think yeah. i just i'm a competitive person and i yeah. just think for you know the first year out of retirement i didn't really have anything um to kind of channel in um that competitiveness and um you know i'm really enjoying that at the moment so that's yeah. been great
0: it's awesome, mate. You know, I've been getting into the golf myself and yeah. apologies for closing the blinds. I've got this no, that's right. sun coming at me here, already burnt as it is, but um, <laughs> yeah. you, you touched on the, the transition. so you, you went. I was going to come to this later on, but you went from obviously um, starting up with the Kings and being part of that mm. comeback season, if you will, um, and then a number of years in Europe, which we'll come to again, but um, coming back to the NBL after being out for so long, did you notice the difference in the league, the professionalism and I guess, um, what was the comparison like starting up with the Kings uh, back in 2010 compared to, again, joining a new team in the Phoenix and the the comparisons between those two, um, those teams?
1: Yeah, I think um, the league's come a long way. Obviously, money really helps, um, but also the exposure. You know, a lot of people talking about it overseas Mm. Um, now. I think we always had a really talented league, Mm. uh, but I don't think it was put on display like it is now which is really it's great to see you know more eyeballs even translated into the tv deal this year which is fantastic um but the professionalism also got you know better with uh, you know we had our own chef in southeast melbourne and um you know they really looked after our our needs and, and made sure we were you know really happy and family life was good and um i think you know the care factor was really there but You know, when I first started with the Kings too, it was a really nice community. Uh, But I think anytime you're starting a new club, it's difficult. And I say like the Kings starting a new club, but we really did start from scratch then. Mm. Um, And I think, you know, just the facilities are better now, uh, where the Kings were training, you know, kudos. They had their own training facility. That's come a long way. We first started at Macquarie University. Um, and I love shooting after practice and sometimes I'd be shooting and the rings would go up and <laughs> about 100 badminton students would run on the courts. But I didn't really so, you know, it was frustrating at times. But, you know, we always found a way to Ended up going to different schools and, and schools with a gun um, mm-hmm. to be able to fire the ball back at me. So, mm-hmm. you know, when there's a will, there's a way. But I think, you know, now it's a little bit more you know easier for the players to just focus on basketball and mm. and um you know even on the road and you see the crowds and everything it's it's really professional and i think they've done a great job almost like trying to emulate the nba in a smaller scale mm. um and i think why not you know the the best league in the world um you know if you can do that at a smaller scale um, and attract mm. these big talented um players like next stars and lamelo ball mm. um i think you know it's it's a fantastic um job that Larry and the team have been doing in the NBL. Hundred
0: mm, percent agree with that. And he mentioned there just um perfecting your shot and you were known for a, your, your three point shot and again led the league in scoring all those years back. But um had Shane Heal, your former coach on the podcast last time and he I was chatting to him about, you know, the work to put into like mastering your shot basically and, and getting it right to the point where it's the same every time it's coming out of the hand. So Um, Just for the younger viewers out there, if there are any, um, how how many hours did you put into crafting your shot and and just um, the level of commitment required to get to that level?
1: Yeah, so I always made it a um, kind of a personal ambition to always be the hardest working player on the team, Hmm. Um, whichever club I went to, whether it was Europe, college, um, NBL. Um, And so, you know, I would always get there at least an hour, hour and a half early. Mm. for every every practice sometimes too um as i got older I, I kind of you know started doing more recovery etc. not just the big grinding workouts mm. um you know if someone beat me to practice i'd always um, come earlier the next day so i think at least an hour before and an hour after every practice because Practice, you know, a lot of players use practice as their time to hone their skills, but it's really not. That's more the team concepts and you don't want to rely on the coaching staff to be putting in shooting drills, etc. You know, at the professional level, this is um, into, you know, practice. I think you've really got to take that upon yourself to develop develop your own skill set. You know, when Shane came in, I didn't really have a very good step back jumper. And he's like, you need you need the step back jumper. So you know, I just kept working on that by myself with his guidance, you know. And then i go away with his teachings and really work on that step back jumper and coming off screens at at really fast pace, um, you know. So it slowed down in the game, and that's what I really um, you know forged out a European career with coming off those screens. Um, so yeah, it's definitely it's all the hours um, off the off the practice floor you know the the team team training sessions that you've really got to put in and i think at least an hour and at least an hour uh before and and an hour after practice is what you really need to be doing um and then on your off days you've got to come in as well and um you know people say you need to rest and load management and that now but i think you know you can still get a workout in and do an ice bath after or Get a massage and I know it's, you know, sometimes harder for younger players, but mm. um yeah, I think you always just have to be in um ready to go and um and doing game speed workouts. So I'd say at least, you know, a couple of hours a day mm. to really perfect that that art. But I will say one thing, Shane's still incredible. Like mm. he won't have shot for, you know, a month. Yeah. And yeah. then he would just go like ten out of ten, bang. I'm like, yeah. oh <laughs> <It's depressing. laughs>
0: And, uh, he was in those, those hammer time segments he was doing with the current players. Like, he was yeah. like, in He's insane. Yeah, incredible player, incredible shooter. But um, um, going back to you mentioning the college career, uh, it would be a miss of me not to mention it because you did have your number one jersey retired there. That's, that's saying something about the success you had in the college level with Augusta Jaguars, I think it was. Um, yeah, yeah. So you spent the time there. And what was that experience like? Obviously... um. Yeah, that was sort of the way or the pathway for a lot of younger players back then. It's not so yeah. much now. I think the NBL is such a aspiration of young players. But you know, the college system, everyone seemed to get over there. So what was that experience like um, back then? Yeah. Well, there's
1: over, I think, 200-plus players in college now. Back when I went in 2006, you know, you could count them on your hand, virtually how many players were in the States. But... Yeah um you know we didn't even have youtube but then i was sending out dvds to to colleges um everywhere all over the states mm. uh writing emails still taking calls on the landline so it's was, it was a bit of a different world um but yeah it was amazing i just kind of ended up um in a really great situation um you know i, I know a lot of ten, uh players you know think division one or or nothing um, I think that's, you know, kind of a closed mindset. Um, I went to a division two school. Uh, we ended up being number one in the nation and beating a lot of division one schools, but um, I was able to play all four years. I started all four years, um, kind of went there as an unknown and came back on, you know, a lot of teams radars, um, even though it was quite difficult still to get a an NBL gig. Mm. Um, but I think playing and you you practicing so much um that you want to play at the mm. end of the day, that's where your development really comes from being in this high pressure situations mm. um so I really loved it, and I wouldn't change it you know i, I had some some kind of initial talks with some division one teams, and i don't I don't know if it would have been a good fit, you know I could mm. have been sitting on the bench for you know three years and and finally playing my last year, but you know it's was, would that be a great experience playing basketball? I always thought going to college, you know, the percentage that end up playing professional is pretty slim. So Mm -hmm. if you could, I I figured if I could do something pretty cool with basketball, um, get a degree, play in the States for four years, Mm -hmm. have an awesome experience, you know, if I don't end up going pro, that's pretty incredible, Um, you know, something to come out of playing basketball and playing Mm -hmm. sports. So um, that was kind of my mindset. But um, as I kind of had more success, I really wanted to play professionally. I thought I was good enough. Mm. Um, not many other people did, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think for for the younger kids, I hear a lot. It's like, oh no, I only want to go Division One. I'm not talking to that team. They're Division Two. But mm. if it's a good situation. There's a lot of players that played in the NBL that played at Division Two, and I think it's because they got to play um, mm. and they developed so much faster. So. Don't be dead set on Division 1. You know, I've seen future, you know, boomer um, Australian, you know, touted to be the next um, boomer and um, sit on the bench for four years. um, And now, you know, not even sure if they play anymore. So Mm -hmm. it can be difficult going to a big Division 1 school. But, um, you know, if that's your path, um, you know, it can work out really well too. Mm -hmm. You Could end up in the NBA. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think just, just have an open mindset though and, and you know, listen to every coach and, and what they have to say and it might be a great fit somewhere that you weren't thinking.
0: Mm, that's awesome. And I think, uh, well, just reflecting on, again, as I said, having your jersey retired, it must be pretty, yeah, feel pretty honoured about that situation even to be, go back there and see your jersey up there. So what was that emotion like when you um, got told that your jersey was going to be retired? Yeah, well, I've never,
1: I haven't actually been back. Uh, maybe one day we will, but mm. um, it was actually a really big surprise. It was our last regular season game. So I was very lucky, fortunate to be the only player to have their um, jersey retired while they were still playing. Uh, but I think it had a lot to do with that I was Australian. Mm. I thought, well, once he goes to Australia, we can't really, you know, involve him <laughs> back easily. So. Um, so I actually saw it go up. Mm. Um, and it was a funny story, too, actually. My coach was standing next to me, and he goes, oh, my God, did they spell your name wrong? Oh, and yeah. it had uh, M-A-G-D-E-N. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have even noticed. And I'm like, they did. <laughs> so they had to pull it down and, and put it back up again. But um, that's happened to me all throughout my, even in the NBL, yeah. uh, you know, i played in New Zealand. The name, the D and the G always gets mixed no up. For reason.
0: Yeah. It's the same as my name, mate. They always put a T in mine. DM yeah. Watt. So I know <laughs> the feeling. But um, yeah, I'll just step back a bit because um, one thing I didn't realise about you, obviously you go to the Kings after that and you mentioned that. And um, I remember when you signed, there was this big hot shot from the college system coming to play for the Kings. I thought this would be cool. And I was actually, as I said, doing a bit of work with them back then. But um, you actually were a development player with the 36ers. Is that right? At the late 36 So you got the, the chance to play with guys like Brett Maher and... Oscar Foreman's been on the podcast. I imagine he would have been in the team at that point as well. But obviously, yeah. back then, that was a, for me, growing up watching the NBL, that was a, a great side. Phil Smythe coaching, Brett Mars, I said, Martin Catalini, all these guys that played for the 36ers. But um, what was that experience like being a part of um, that system?
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, it was, it was about, oh, I'd say, maybe 15 players invited from the ABA. <laughs> Um, back then, the, the NBL one they call it now South. And um, I was pretty lucky to get invited. I had a decent season. Um, my coach, Richard Hill, at the time, I think, put in a good word. And um, I went to the camp as kind of an unknown and ended up being picked with Brad Gerlach as the two development players and beat out a lot of um, other guys, you know, some that went to the AAS or, you know, they were in Sassy and things like that. So um, I think that was... A great camp for me, and then I just uh, it gave me my first taste of you know how to be a professional. Um, the group was a bit older, so it was more like practice, go home. you know Marzi was they were a veteran guys, but um, guys that I gravitated around were Jacob Holmes and Oscar Foreman used to shoot with Oscar Foreman oh. after every practice, and um he was just lights out. I think he oh. he led the league in three point shooting that year, and he was just an incredible shooter. So that was great to see that work ethic of, you know, what it's going to take to be such a great shooter like Ozzy was. So I had some great mentors then. I was was really young. There was a rule, I don't know if it's still a rule, but if you get any professional minutes, you can't go to college. Mm. Um, So after a few months, I really thought, yeah, I want to go to college and give that a crack Mm. Um, instead of, you know, 30-second junk time at the Mm. end of a game. Mm. Um, So I never played a second. Uh, which I was really happy about in the end, um, being able to go to college. But, you know, learning under Phil Smythe and sitting on the bench for every every home game um, was just really, really cool and a great experience, I think. Um, one that, yeah, really kind of wet my whistle for, all right, let's go to college, work as hard as I can and hopefully I can play in, in one of these teams one day. Yeah,
0: it's awesome. Conscious of time for you because I know you got to go. But um, one thing I'll uh, touch on is this: I remember um, you made your Boomer's debut, uh, fast forward a number of years, had all that success with the Kings, and then you get selected in the Boomer squad. And I do remember the um, yeah, you obviously injured your ankle really badly in training, and you didn't get to play in the end, did you? Yeah,
1: I played the first game. It was just a shoot around, um, and then we had one more game. So I was in between two games, I was trying, and then we will fly to China um, the day after that. And I just remember it was a non-tape session, but it got a bit competitive with, it was like a, almost like a dummy contest. You're um, supposed to just like a, a token hand in the face, but then, you know, we had two teams and, and everyone was going pretty hard. And I just remember Gibbo, I closed out and I, I jumped and he jumps forward when he shoots. Yeah. And so my foot just came down on his, and at first, I thought I'd just rolled it really badly. And then I looked down and the sole of my shoe was facing up. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's not good. So it yeah. yeah, went into a bit of a panic. And then, um, yeah, they gave me the green whistle and everything was all right after that. But, <laughs> you know, it was five months of, of really, I, I was actually really lucky. I lived in an apartment complex in Sydney right next to the um, physio, the team physio. Mm. So I would walk or crutch down every morning and spend like two hours in the physio. I had nothing else to do. Um, and so I think that really fast tracked, um, you know, the recovery. So I was, I was super lucky it worked out like that. Mm. Um, but even after five months, I came back, felt like I had a lead foot for a while and mm. had a bit of a slow start to the season, but then um, started to pick it up again. Once I got the movement and, and everything back.
0: Mm. Yeah. Tough times. I think, uh, these sort of things um, teach us so much, um, particularly when we go through hardships and suffering and uh, translating now this to your um, post-basketball um, career, I guess, obviously working for Charity bounces, as we said, and giving back in that capacity. But um, just in name of the podcast, um, More Than The Game, what are some of the life lessons that you've learned from the game of basketball that you've been able to translate into your life now as a dad, as a husband, or just in life uh, in general?
1: Yeah, I think as a sportsman, you have to overcome a lot of adversity. Um, And I kind of tried to keep it even killed throughout my um, career. So, um, you know, I see a lot of players, if they have like 30 points the next day, and they kind of come into practice. And it's all good to have confidence. But um, I always tried, you know, if I scored, if I had a donut, um, I'd still come in, you know, an hour and a half early, shoot, do my same routine. If I had 35 I'd still do the same thing. Um, so I think that kind of helped me um, having that mindset. Um, so when I did, did have adversity or great times, it was always kind of even killed in the middle. Um, but I think just being able to have those, uh, that, those adverse you know, challenges and, and being able to, to work through them, um, no matter what it is, whether it's through hard work, sometimes taking a step back, Um, reaching out for help you know the amount of times i called shane hill when i was in lithuania um, having a tough time with the coach and i think you just always um, find a way Um, you don't give up and i think that's the same with life you know you Mm -hmm. you're going to have some some pretty crappy times you're going to have some times that are awesome Um, as long as you just kind of keep powering ahead and reaching out to as many people as you can that you think can help but also working hard to, you know, find a solution and not give up is is a really thing that I try and install in my kids and mm. um, in Charity Bounce, you know, our overarching um, theme is, is resilience. Mm. So that's what we're trying to build in our in the participants and yeah. um you know that's what life's about is just being resilient to be able to take on life's challenges and yeah. um sports great for that because you get your fair share you know yeah. you can be top of the world one day and next day you know you feel smaller than the ground you're work, walking on so yeah. um i think that's that's definitely what i've taken out of out of sport yeah. well,
0: that's awesome mate well said i agree 100 percent. but uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today ben and hearing part of his story, I'd love to go on and maybe another day we'll do that. But I yeah, uh, appreciate your time, mate, and uh, thank you for joining the More Than A Game podcast. No, thanks, Dan. Really appreciate it, mate. It was great to talk to you. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the More Than A Game podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review, click the subscribe button, and for more episodes and content, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts or via the Podbean app. Our website is also gamemorethan.podbean.com. We hope you can join us for another episode of the More Than a Game podcast.